Another episode of the Round Ball Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Forge. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. So check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Have a treat for y'all today. You are about to listen to an installment of Let's Ball Out, which is a production that is done by myself, Kelsey. Wilkinson and Alicia Solomon, so definitely make sure to tune in for that. It's a fun one. Kind of talk about what we like, what we don't like so far this season, early trends, a little bit of NBA gossip. It's a lot of fun for sure. Get some team analysis, including a little bit of a deep dive on the Los Angeles Lakers, the Miami Heat, and the New York Knicks, and just a lot of fun. So definitely make sure to tune in a few minutes for that. Uh, First, just want to say two things. One, it's almost obligatory here. I gotta go through my MVP ladder. Um, I don't really like talking about awards this early. I don't feel like it does anything outside of like the purpose of content creation because a lot of these award races are still ongoing. And I feel, although yes, a quarter of the season is a good chunk of time, like it's still not as much time as I don't know half the season is to really start digging down and seeing you know, how we like certain players and certain positions and what they're doing on the defensive side of the glass and whatever the case may be. So that's my opinion. That's why this will be a very short segment Um, because, like, I don't know. I just don't feel this a lot. Like, wait till the end of the year or as we close to the end of the year, break down everyone's performance to be keeping track of and then go from there. That's my take. I know it's not a popular opinion, but it is my own. But that being said, we're going to just do a little bit of a ladder here. Um, For the MVP and then just my own picks, for six man of the year, you know, um, defense player of the year, etc. So, top three MVP. Number three for me, and this is going to be a little bit different. Zion Williamson. That's right, Zion Williamson. Right now, remember, didn't play all last year. Coming in with a vengeance this season. Still sky high field goal percentage, making over sixty percent of his shots. Uh, Again, not a good three-point shooter, but whatever right now. You know, he'll take some. Right now, the Pelicans are number one in the Western Conference. Number one. Despite sustaining injuries to Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, C.J. McCollum, Heck, Zion Williamson's missed a couple of games as well. And they are still sitting pretty at the top of the West at 18-8. and With a huge win over the Phoenix Suns yesterday afternoon. They're 6th in offensive rating, 3rd in defensive rating, 2nd in net rating, and Zion Williamson is a huge reason why. Yes, I said he missed some time, but he's played 20 games so far for this team. 21, my mistake. 21 games. For this squad and going through the numbers like I was, he is averaging 24.5 points per game, 7.2 rebounds, 4.3 assists, cannot be denied at the glass, at the rim, gets to the foul line, shooting 72% from there, which is a career high. He is insane right now. There's no two ways around it, if, ands, or buts about it. 
He just is. Career high right now in defensive rebound percentage, total rebound percentage, assist percentage. All of that. And by the way, this is his third highest usage season in three seasons. He's not even doing it on a lot of usage. He's just being very productive with the ball when he gets it. My usage is high, but I'm just saying, like, it's not as high as it was when he played in the 2020-2021 season or even the year before that as a 19-year-old in the 2019-2020 season. That's saying a lot. Guy's a monster, all right? Had a game right now, 35 points, had a game with 15 rebounds, a game with 8 assists, gets to the line constantly. He's made an impact on this Pelicans team. In crunch time, they can turn to point Zion, and he just goes to work, generating offense at a high level. Even now, when players know that he likes to go to his left side, and you have teams like the Phoenix Suns last night, where they literally shifted their defense to shrink the floor on one side to make it so Zion passes the ball off or runs into a wall and draws a charge. Like, even with that, the monster that Zion Williamson is a basketball player was still very effective. And so there's just no way around that. You got it. You just got to shout out that. That's why he's number three on my list. Number two, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic right now is the Dallas Mavericks. Last game they played without Luka Doncic was over this weekend against the Chicago Bulls, and I just want to say the Mavericks lost by a lot. Dang near 30 points. 144 to 115. Offense looked totally disjointed. It was a mess. The Mavericks will only be good if Lucas playing or if they get some additional help. Because right now, they are not it, but this isn't to talk about the Mavs and how bad they are. Let's talk about the greatness of Luka Doncic right now. Averaging 32.9 points, 8.6 rebounds, 8.7 assists. The guy already owns the Mavs franchise record for triple doubles. Now, according to NBA.com, he has only missed out, or he's missed out on potential triple doubles by either one rebound or one assist by 19 different times. That is insane. That is insane. By the way, he only needs one more 35-point game to tie Oscar Robertson for the fifth most 35-point games by a player, 23 or younger in NBA history. If he gets that additional 35-point game, he will have 55. He's been a monster. He's been insane. He's been the straw that stirs the drink for the Mavericks. One could say, and I'm very tempted to say that I would, uh, it's hard, I would put Zion over Luka I mean, not put Zion over Luka. What am I talking about here? I'll put Luka number one because the most viable player. Have Zion third like I do because Luka is so important to how Dallas operates as a basketball team. He single-handedly makes them look halfway lethal on good nights when their shots are falling because Luka's going to go off. When Luka is off, either from the field or just off the court entirely, the Mavs look a totally different team and not for the better. Only difference, I think, is one, you know, Zion does have a better supporting cast around him right now. Let's just be real. You know, Reggie Bullock's been off. Tim Hardaway Jr.'s found a stroke as of late, but has been super consistent. Christian Wood's been the Mavs, the best contributor. He's coming off the bench. Free Jaden Hardy. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith is still around. You know, these are the cats on the team that contribute here and there, but the point stands that Luka is the one. He is the most viable on this team. The problem is just where the Mavs are in terms of record-wise, it's looking like if Luka were to win this MVP, 
title, it would be because of just outrageous statistical numbers and the overwhelming impact that he has on a team that is middling to just over 500. Basically, it'd be the 2016-2017 MVP award that was won by Russell Westbrook, which I will say until I am blue, red, any color in the rainbow in the face that Russell Westbrook deserved to win the MVP award. Despite his team, he was most viable. He played like it. He looked at the numbers. They mostly backed that up. It was what it was. Um, Luka's approaching that territory now. Right now, the Mavericks are 13-13. and 13. They're 10th in Western Conference. Uh, barring a major move coming up around the trade deadline and a nice win streak with it, this Mavs team looks like they are, which is a middling, play-in level type of team. Even with the greatest Luka Doncic. I'm tired of players getting a knock on their own greatness because of the team around them. Yes, it comes to a certain extent. Basketball is the one game where one person's individual exploits can lift a team more than the sum of its parts to a certain degree. But it is not an end-all, be-all, ladies and gentlemen. It is not. And to hold it that way is just egregious in my mind. So I won't. (laughs) It's pretty simple. Um, I have Luka number two. And listen, if the Mavs were to go on a toward winning streak, you don't think Luka's not going to be the reason why that didn't happen? Yes, there'll be additional move and he'll get some additional help like the next person we'll talk about on number one on this list or any other player you bring up for the MVP who has a decent supporting cast because you don't really see a lot of lone rangers out there up in your number one for MVP. So if it does happen, yes, it'll be because Luka got some help, but will also be most assuredly because of Luka Doncic. My number one, Jason Tatum. Listen, he laid an egg in the rematch of the 2022 NBA Finals against the Warriors this weekend. But bottom line, he has been a monster. Celtics have flourished with both him and Jalen Brown. So shout out to those who said, you know, that uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown couldn't work together. Okay, it may have been me once, but not really. Bottom line, when when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown each score 20 points or more. The Celtics are now 14-4. and four. For the record, Jason Tatum did not score 20 points against the Warriors, scored 18 on 6-21 shooting, and they lost. So where there's smoke, there's fire. But the point being, he has been a monster. Knocking down shots at a high clip. Improved much on the defensive side of the floor. Seems to have played with a lot more poise prior to the Warriors game, of course. Um, for the most part of the season, in terms of settling down, getting into his shots, and being able to work as the main offensive initiator for his team, working the floor game, making it happen, passing the ball with just great reads, averaging 30 points per game, 8.1 rebounds, 4 assists, shooting 47% from the field, 36% from 3, 85% from the line, 24.8 PER. The guy's just been great. He just has. His highest total rebound percentage of his career. His free throw rate, highest has been in his career. True shooting percentage, highest has been in his career. You're kind of getting where I'm going with this trend here. Block percentage, same deal. Actually, it's tied for his 2019-2020 season. Usage, high for his career. Turnovers among one of his lowest in terms of turnover percentage. One of his lowest in his career. So if you look at it, the numbers back this up. Had a 49-point game already this season. The guy has been an animal. And he fits the classic MVP recipe. Best player on best team. Right now, the Boston Celtics are the best team in the NBA. And Jason Tatum 
is the best player in the NBA. That's where I'm going with it. That's my MVP ladder. Defensive player of the year, listen, let me tell you right now, I said this going into the season, and you know what? I'm sticking with it. It's Anthony Davis. 2.5, rather, blocks per game. 1.3 steals. One of just a few players, by the way, with those numbers. Helping the Lakers hold a 13th rank in defensive rating. Which, you've seen this Lakers personnel. Let's be real. Do you really think 13th for this Lakers squad? No. And the reason why they are there and were actually higher a few weeks ago is because Anthony Davis has single-handedly, well, not single-handedly, Coach Hammond's defensive principles have helped as well, and there's been a lot of effort from some players, most notably Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves, etc. But the point being, Anthony Davis has been a huge reason why the Lakers' defense is what it is. He is the backline defense. He is a roamer. He knows when to snuff out shots before they happen. He's getting in the passing lanes. He is making an impact on that side of the floor. Honestly, before you know, a tough couple of losses here uh, to the 76ers and before that to the Cavs, uh, in which... AD was injured, he was actually in my MVP rankings. Yeah, he was. Uh, I've walked it back just a little bit now. But if you look at his numbers in general, I mean, 27 points per game on just under 60% shooting, 12 rebounds, 2 assists. We already mentioned the steals, already mentioned the blocks. The guy's a monster right now. Now, the Lakers right now are nowhere near MVP conversation and consideration, and therefore that's why Anthony Davis is nowhere near the radar for that. But he is in, if I had to do like a top 10, extrapolate out to maybe a top 12, he would definitely be on that list for me. But that's that's my defensive player of the year. Going to keep it all in the family here, or all in the Lakers, that is, with my sixth man of the year. And that, my friends, is Russell Westbrook. Listen, Russell Westbrook much has been made about how detrimental was the Lakers to begin with. And yes, his three games to start this 2022-2023 season were horrifying. But then he came off the bench... Took him in to get going there to really get warmed up to the idea. But once he did, kind of picked up what Darvin Ham put down there in terms of philosophy, he has mostly flourished. Listen, Russell Westbrook is never going to be an efficiency king. We've seen this. This dude is in his 15th year in the league. Like, if anyone thought that, you just haven't watched the games. Or you are just an optimist, you're insane. I was that for a minute, but I am no longer that. His numbers aren't going to pop off the page in terms of shooting efficiency. 40% from the field, 29% from three. No, it's not going to look great. Now, if you remember that he's a 43% shooter from the field and a 30% shooter from three, you realize he's not far off from his career statistics, but that's not the point. The point right now is that he comes in, the Lakers just totally change. He picks up the pace, and that helps them immensely. He's a key part of that second unit. He is a reason why they're able to have a decent offense, when LeBron James and Anthony Davis off the floor, Anthony Davis is a big part of it still, but but regardless of that, like, Russell Westbrook has been a huge reason why the Lakers had some success by impacting the game off of the bench. And 14.6 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 7.5 assists. When he averages 8 or more assists, I think the Lakers are like 9-3 and three in wins and a win-loss record when he averages eight or more assists off the bench like when he gets those. Like, the guy has been impactful. He's had some stinkers, too. Absolutely. It's not always been great. Against the Wizards, six points on 3-8 shooting. Still had 15 assists that game. Against the Spurs, back in November 25th, this was probably his last real bad game. Three points on 1-7 shooting, four rebounds, seven assists. 
not great. You know, you can even look at the 76ers game. It wasn't great. The numbers give you a triple-double, 12, 11, and 11, but on 4 14 shooting, 1 of 5 from 3, was playing in crunch time, and the 76ers laid off him. So, fine. December 9th is probably the worst game, just from an impact level, that belies the numbers. But regardless of that, he is still my player for six men of the year. One, you rarely see stars go and embrace that role and flourish in their own way. He's doing it in the way Russ has always done it. Now he does what he wants, right? He isn't going to be your cookie-cutter, clear-cut MVP in terms of the you know top-scoring guy we've seen the last couple of years or the overall hustle, energy, big man who can also score that we've seen the last couple of years before that. Like, he's somewhere in a hybrid of all that, you know? Just impacting the game in a way that Russell Westbrook can that has resulted in mostly positive results for the Los Angeles Lakers. And that is why I have Russell Westbrook as my sixth man of the year. Listen, coach of the year, GM, all that, we're not going to get into that. I, I don't have an idea right now for that. I had Darvin as my coach of the year, and I am walking that back a little bit. <laughs> but as far as that, still too early to tell. Because right now, we're thinking the Celtics probably, right? Best team, right? So Joe Mazzula has to be the best coach, right? Or are we looking at the great job that Willie Green is doing with the New Orleans Pelicans? Because that's a thought as well. Or insert team XYZ. You know what I mean? It's still too early for a lot of the team-centric things. But then again, I thought it was too early for all of this, and here I've spent almost... 20 minutes on it so (laughs) there you go but listen y'all i am going to call that here for us on round ball ramble i'm now going to turn it over to myself at another time (laughs) as well as alicia solomon and kelsey wilkinson as we talk about the basketball world at large a little bit nba gossip a little bit of fun we about to ball out y'all about to join us so sit back relax and until y'all hear from me next time I am Frosty, y'all stay Frosty, and I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. Let's ball out, folks. What's poppin'? Brand new whip just hoppin'. I got options. I can pass that like stockin'. Just joshin'. What is going on? It's your boy Kells. We are here for Let's Fall Out. You already know that I'm joined with the most fabulous woman in the game right now, Alicia Solomon, and then Corbin, who likes the Lakers. Anyways, oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, listen, we got a lot on tap today. Um, I think today's gonna be fun. Um, there's a lot of stuff that has been going on in the NBA. But um, first and foremost, how y'all doing? Great. Uh, as you would say, blessed and highly flavored. Ooh, and uh, yeah, you know, we're just here. Holiday season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was doing good before I caught a stray. But other than that, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm all right. Can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just my, my, my Lakers. We started off slow, but we, we climbing back in here. So I'm, I'm doing all right. I feel that. So let me ask you a question, Corbin, because I know you're highly invested in the Lakers, mm-hmm. and um, they're they're one of the teams that have started off slow, but mm-hmm. with veterans and with talented players, because you guys do have talented players, mm-hmm. um, they're starting to figure themselves out. Now, with that being said, you being a Lakers fan, what do you think about Westbrook? potentially being an asset to get some more pieces, or you like Westbrook and what he's been doing, especially coming off the bench? That's a good question. I mean, personally, I 
I came in thinking we got we had to trade Westbrook, but at this point, I've come around on that. Like, not only is he playing well, like his numbers, yeah, he's never going to be the most efficient. We've always known that's not Russell Westbrook's game, but he's putting up winning numbers and he's impacting winning for the Lakers specifically. And so, in my mind, I'm like, okay, yeah, we can say, hey, look, Russ is averaging, you know. 11 points or 14, 15 points and eight assists off the bench. When he gets eight or more assists and the Lakers like five and one or something, like you could say those numbers, but at the same time, like he is helping man that second unit. If you get rid of him, are we going to say whoever we get back in exchange for him is going to be doing as well a job bringing that superstar impact with the five that we have off the floor, off the bench? I don't know if that's the same. Are we saying that in-house, whether it's Dennis Schroeder or Kendrick Nunn, who's had a horrible season so far, that they can replicate what Russ has brought? I don't think so. So in my mind, if the right deal is there, then sure, you do it. You know what I mean? There's a lot to like. Russ on expiring contract. He is playing very well off the bench. You know, maybe give one pick instead of two because he's an asset now and not just someone we're dumping off. So I think that's good. On the other hand, like I said, I, I don't know if that player is out there that we go, okay, we're going to get better trading Russ in return. I just don't see it. So you don't like the DeMar DeRozan, Vucevic talk that's been going around lately. How do you feel about that? I'm not going to lie, Alicia. I hate it. I hate it. I like DeMar DeRozan. I wish he was a Laker at some point. Like, that ship has sailed. I wish Kawhi was a Laker in 2019. That ship has also sailed. Like, DeMar DeRozan at this stage of his career, you're getting a guy who is good at what he does, just like Russ is good at what he does, but that doesn't mesh well with LeBron or AD. And you're taking away like anything that you between him and Vooch you're getting worse on the defensive end of the floor you have to play those two there so you're giving up more and then offensively it's a clunky fit because DeRose is not shooting the three Vucevic having another meh kind of season they both need the ball and LeBron and AD are going to dominate the ball and I just don't see how crunch time just put yourself in, in this Alicia crunch time LeBron AD DeMar LeBron got the ball AD come and pick and roll. You cheating off of DeRozan because if he doesn't have the ball, he's not going to do anything with it because this is not how he plays. He's an on-ball guy, and he's not a three-point shooter. Fine. On the defense side of the floor, you a 3-4. I don't know. Think Giannis and Chris Milton or Kawhi and PG, and you run a 3-4 pick and roll on LeBron James and DeMar DeRozan. Like, that that's a lot for both guys LeBron five years ago yeah we good but LeBron at this point definitely more of like a stationary type four player on the defensive side of the floor and DeMar DeRozan has never been a great defender he's okay now but I mean he's also 33 too so I just I think you take away like they do bring strengths they just don't bring them to this team and yet their weaknesses will drag the Lakers down I think okay so let's let's open this up because let's put it in perspective the Lakers are paying Westbrook 47 million dollars this year Keeping him on the team, there's no way to really add anything or anybody significant just because, I mean, they don't have all the money in the world. There's actual cap in the NBA. Um, just for the sole purpose of giving them some type of financial freedom to get rid of Westbrook. What do you think about that, Corbin? Again, I don't know. I mean, as it stands, like projected, the Lakers will have, what, with Westbrook off the books next season. They're going to have, like, 30 million cap space. That's not even enough for, like, one max player. That's enough for two solid pieces, but not enough for one max player. If you trade for DeRozan and Vooch, yeah, Vooch is a free agent next year, but you still are on on the books for DeRozan's money for the next two seasons, I think, about. And then if you are making a trade for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, like that's been talked about, Buddy Heald's on for a few more years, and also Turner's a free agent. 
So any money that you would have had is already gone with the addition of healed, and you're expending out of your expense to go and reacquire or retain Miles Turner. And all due respect to Miles Turner, he's also an injury risk. So I just I don't know. Like I get it. Like in theory, the flexibility's there, but like I don't I don't see how that works with where the but, Lakers are. But but do you really need another max player though? Do you really? I think the Lakers are in need of a complementary player to where they know their role, they can excel at their role, and to be able to fully complement the pieces that the Lakers have. I don't think a max player is necessary. That's kind of greedy, um, especially when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think both of those players are capable to have a sidekick to where they don't almost like when you talk about the Miami Heat of Chris Bosch, where Chris Bosch really. He was a max player, mm-hmm. but then again, he was also that piece, like a Kevin Love, that just put everything together, that just somewhat just made everything fit perfectly. Uh, even like Andrew Wiggins, because Andrew Wiggins was a significant help with the Warriors and what they did last year, what they were able to accomplish. But I think all of us are in agreement that Andrew Wiggins is not a max player. Um, so do you really need a max player though, or you just want to be greedy so you can come out to this podcast? Like, oh, we got, oh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's talk about it. <laughs> I see what you mean. I see what you're saying. When I, when I, I mean, I don't think the Lakers, if in my own personal opinion, I don't think the Lakers need a max player, but like from what we've heard from whatever news we get from the Lakers front office and what the rumors are about where they're going, they're looking for a said max player. Remember, they were knocking the door on Kyrie before this latest thing blew up a couple months ago. So do I think so? No. In, in fact, Kelsey, I think some continuity would be great. You know, uh, I wish we kept Malik Monk. He's flourishing in Sacramento. Lonnie Walker right now is having a career year. Right now we're in another position to lose him like we lost Malik Monk last year. Like, I would love some continuity retaining some of these guys who have helped. Austin Reeves, been a great kind of glue guy for this team he's a free agent because of the way the lakers signed him so no personally i think conduit is key I'm, i agree with you i don't think the three max system is a system that works anymore um unless all three pieces work together well and even then we're looking like a milwaukee between drew holiday you know chris Middleton, and Giannis. and even then you know drew's kind of a max player but he really is because milwaukee like it's it's different you know um but i don't think i saw the lakers see it as we know, the Lakers see things a little bit differently uh, by the moves they made. Uh, this is the GM who acquired teams that aren't shooters and said, oh, by the way, they'll just become shooters over the year. Like, what? So I don't know. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I just think right now I'm, I'm in the moment. You know, AD's averaging 32 points, 15 boards over the last nine games. Lakers have won nine of their last 12. Like, I'm just enjoying this for what it is. I'm not going to get too high because I've done this on the show and it's bit me in the butt. I'm not trying to get too low about it. We're just going to be chill right now and just see what happens and uh, ride our wave. Well, first and foremost, for us listeners, I want to say uh, let's give a round of applause for Corbin for finally being able to just, you know. <laughs> you guys are the worst. And how it is. <laughs> and Y'all never get too high, too low, just staying calm and cool and collected. But pushing over to somewhat the similarity to what we've been talking about, but in a different aspect, December 15, of course, is where – um, players that were not eligible to be traded prior to December 15th, they're actually getting a chance to to uh, be traded. And there's a few on the top of my head, and it's really all almost on one team. Um, but at least I'm going to let you go first. Who, who are you in, expecting, in a sense, to potentially be moved now that December 15th is arriving pretty soon, quick, fast, and in a hurry? You know, I did 
I was trying to think of who I'm expecting and I really couldn't think of anyone. Corbin brought up somebody, Miles Turner, who early on in the season was on Roach's podcast talking about what the Lakers may or may not need, you know, and the Indiana Pacers have been playing well. So is it something where he would want to be moved? I think the owner has been said to like Miles Turner and doesn't want to move him. So that's also another aspect of his situation. I'm looking forward to what happens with Draymond. I know I keep harping on Draymond every time we come on, but I just think that his dynamic with this team is interesting because he is a glue guy for this team. However, everything that has been happening for the past year, and especially after this summer, I really think that will he move on? Will he get, you know, this team has a lot of luxury tax. Let's just say, let me start with there. So I don't know what his future holds with this team. Is he going to do an opt-in? Is he going to do a year-on-year situation? It's very, in terms of Stephen A. words, it's very fluid. I don't know what's going to happen with Draymond moving forward, and I want to see where he would go because I don't know what his skill set is in terms of helping another team because he's so in this system in in golden state that i don't know what he would go to another team and bring so i'm very interested to see that i also want to see bogan bogdanovich move on i know that he's someone who has been up and down he's been with the nuts he's been here and there but he's a very good solid piece that i feel like a team could use a, a good playoff team could use so I'm interested to see if anyone takes up his contract and uh, moving forward. But yeah, those are the like three main people that come to mind right now in terms of who is like in trade talks. I don't really have like a, and also, I mean, there's also Julius Randle. I, I, I hope he gets moved. I just, I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of New York is, is on a consensus with that. Oh, Corbin. Uh, who, who do you have in mind that uh, now that December 15th is arriving pretty soon that, you know, should get moved or, you know, you would like to see moved or whatever the case is? Yeah, I mean, I like Atlanta. Um, they're having some problems. I don't know if you saw the latest report by Shams. Uh, Trey Young having issues uh, with Coach McMillan and choosing not to go to the, the Hawks' most recent game and play. Uh, because he was faced with possibly coming off the bench. Like, there's been some tension there. That's obviously not the person I'm thinking is going to be traded, but something has to be done. John Collins has been underutilized. Uh, you could say it every year for John Collins since he's been drafted by Atlanta. But not only that, um, in a system where you have Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, you see him just totally diminished um, in his role. He's not even a role man because he got Clint Capella there. You know what I mean? So I think the Hawks could make a move. I think John Collins finally gets moves off season or not this off season, this trade deadline, not sure where um, I like a framework of an idea. I don't know the, the, I, I think the fit for me would be more of who would Phoenix would send to Atlanta. That's the other team I'm thinking about Phoenix sending Jay Crowder. Who's been just sitting and waiting to Atlanta because Atlanta does need a three and D wing. Um, they need more options there, even with AJ Griffin playing well. Now, does that mean you get a John Collins? I don't know if that fits with Phoenix, although they do have um, some issues at their power forward position. Remember Cam Johnson is still out um, with his uh, injury uh, operation. I think he had on his meniscus. So that's still something there. Um, Mikhail Bridges been an Iron Man, but he's been banged up as well. So maybe there's a deal where you, you know, get rid of, Crowder and and maybe Bismack Biombo some matching salary take back to John Collins to have him alongside uh um forgetting his name now on the front court of 
DeAndre Ayton in the front court. There we go. I don't know how I like that fit for Phoenix, but I definitely like the fit of um, Crowder in Atlanta. And then another player I'm thinking about to be moved, I mean, uh, uh, Alicia already kind of mentioned um, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, from Atlanta, that's someone I would like to be moved, another shooter, maybe to Dallas. I mean, they've had issues with their shooters and their guard depth as well. I mean, they're relying on Kemba Walker. All due respect, God bless the man. His knees are done. You know, um, their genius said as much. So maybe that's something. Um, or even the Jazz. The Jazz have had a really solid year. But they have some pieces, whether that's a Mike Conley, whether it's a Jordan Clarkson, I'm partial to Malik Beasley. That could be better served on contenders if the Jazz decide to, you know, totally turn around and go for a Minyama. They've lost a few games. I think they lost five straight without Mike Conley. Um, so it's not like they're definitely up there in terms of the powerhouses of the West, but their record right now is still pretty solid. So those are just a few of the names I'm kind of thinking about that could be tossed around. Um, you could also mention Yaka Pirtle, uh, PJ Washington, Charlotte, just a few players, not monumental, you know, big game changers, but pieces that could help a team in another situation and change of environment. Hmm. Um, so I had one individual in mind um, that just joined this team this year and I think has somewhat in this short period of time made himself somewhat uh, valuable in a sense, at least to where if I'm the GM, I can sell a dream very much similar to what, I don't know what the hell Danny Ainge did, but that dream that he sold to Minnesota, <laughs> I mean, that type of dream. And, and the guy that's in my mind right now is Bobo. Bo. With Orlando, like Orlando still has a young core. They still don't have that identity yet. But I know for a fact that, um, you know, what Bobo has done so far in a short period of time, he could potentially be somebody that is um, that can really become a, a serious asset to where you can get some stuff back to continue to build onto the young core that Orlando has. I think this is the first time in a while, very similar to, to New York, where Orlando, even though they're not, they're not people are not trying to watch ESPN and look at Orlando Magic highlights. But as an Orlando Magic fan, even though I'm not, um, they can have some type of hope just with the young nucleus that they have. And I think uh Ball Ball has done enough. I mean, he's what 13 points per game, almost eight rebounds a game. He's only 23 years old. And his his intangibles as far as his height and length is concerned. Again, I think that's something that a, a good GM can be able to really utilize and, and get some type of assets for. Um, and again, he's not tradable until December 15th. Once December 15th hits, he is actually eligible to be traded. And it will be interesting if they do trade him, to be honest with you, because I like him. I like him as a person. I, I think he can play. I think he's a guy that can affect the game both ways. Um, is he going to be your guy that is five seconds on the clock and he's going to be a go-getter, a bucket-getter? No. But, I mean, again, that is a person that can, if you give him a role, a role that he can obtain and actually do, I think he can excel at that. And he can focus on that, and I think he could become a, a legitimate asset, especially when you're talking about teams that want to potentially make a deep run in the playoffs. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, crickets. <laughs> I was letting Alicia go first on this one. <laughs> I, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm, I'm. You said who's making the playoffs? No, 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 no. I'm saying for a team that is looking to make a deep run to go ahead and acquire a piece like Bo Bo that can excel in a specific role that can help them make. I'm not saying he's a go getter. He may not even be a starter, but for somebody that can really obtain some some good minutes and again affect the 
the the the the the the game in both ways. Um, I think that's a person. And again, he's he's eligible to be traded December fifteenth. But who do you think needs his skill set and his size and his, you know, pushing the ball up the court? Like, who do you think needs that skill set on their team that is going to make a deep playoff run? Mm, that is an excellent question. Something that I haven't thought about prior to you asking, but um, I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to get back onto you on that one. And, and and to be honest with you, it may not be a team that that may be looking for a playoff run. It could be a team that's kind of somewhat rebuilding, but then likes what they've seen because they, at the end of the day, what he has done again in a short period of time in a brand new team, a brand new system, he has made a significant impact to to what Orlando has done even though it has not been a lot but he's turning eyes he's definitely turning heads um not just because of how tall he is not just because of of who his parents are but it's like he's really he's doing something so um that's where I'm coming with that now as far as like who would be a suitable suitor for him I don't know yet and it's still very well, I think early, he should so- stay in Orlando at the moment just because they're a young team, he's still developing, even though he's one of their standout players. I think that Orlando is somewhere that he can continue to develop to grow his game, at least for this season, maybe even next, depending on what they do and depending on what their draft pick looks like and their lottery situation. You, you never know what happens within the year. So I think that him being there, though, and developing, even though he has a lot of eyes on him because Orlando is not being played much on national television, but, you know, we watch games regularly that, you know, Orlando would be playing in. I think that he's fine in Orlando. I, I don't think it's he's ready to be pushed out somewhere else because then there are other deficiencies that he has that'll be mm-hmm. exposed if he goes into another system to be someone who has to play more minutes. That's that's very fair. What do you think about that, Corbin? I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I I think Bobo is a great story. Um, I like the fact that you know he was finally freed from Denver, where he wasn't getting any run, and you know he's flourishing in Orlando in a in a in a great way. I'm not totally on the Bobo train though. With that being said, um, I know Paulo Bancaro, which just a tremendous teammate, gave the line of the year, which is all cap, which is that you know he's not even thinking about Victor Wembanyama because they have Bobo, and I was like. Hold up now. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if the Bobo train is like a run off the tracks or what. Like, very solid player. I know Kevin O'Connor tweeted out a stat about his like points per possession. Like, really good. At the same time, I think he's in a great spot right now where with his unique talents as well as his physical stat physical stature, like he's not gonna supplant your small forward if you're trying to win right now. You know what I mean? He's not a powerful, he's like kind of a swing front court player. And the only roster right now, in my mind, that makes enough sense for him that isn't like a San Antonio or like another developmental team is Orlando because their willingness to go freaky with these giant lineups is why he's been succeeding as it's been. You know what I mean? So at least that's my opinion. Um, and I'm also there in terms of the question Lisa asked that you were also asking about or talking about as well, which is I don't know what team you go. Okay, put Bobo here and he's great. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like if you bring up mm-hmm. – Russell Westbrook, I'm thinking, like, a Charlotte to bring them up to, like, you know, mediocrity, like, to bring them in that level. I'm thinking of a Washington. Like, there's teams and players, like, word association, boom, and that team pops up. Bull Bull, he's on it. You know, he found the team that works for him. Uh, you know, he found the right glove for the right fit, and I think that's just where it needs to be. But it's been a great story. You know, you, you see a lot of players that fan bases are like, this guy needs to get more minutes, and they get more minutes, and they don't do anything with him, and then you're like, okay, here we go. Bobo's not been that. You know, he's been really good, and that's great, but I think I think he's fine there, and then, hey, you know, in a year or two, let's say Orlando, you know, they're 
in the tank race for sure. They get a Wembenyama. Well, actually, that might actually impact Bulls' minutes. But they get a Scoot Henderson or another player like that. They start winning some more. Bulls now on a winning team, and he's impacting in a positive way the team that took a chance on him. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I, I feel that. And, again, it's just so early because, again, it's, it's really a small sample size because this is still – First season really getting some type of significant minutes. So it is still early to say. And again, he's only 23 years old. Um, so I definitely get all that. Um, but let's go ahead and transform into, you know, our teams that we have. Um, I think everybody here, one person probably in particular, started to feel a little bit more comfortable and more, you know, confident a little bit. Well, we've already um, spoken uh, to that comfortable person. So we're... <laughs> that's, that's true. Just, that's just not, that's that's just not just... even... Let's just not even <laughs> dive into that again because we've spoken about his comfortable. I got my right spotlight. Now. I'm, I'm willing yeah, to you, you got your spotlight. They're playing well. Let's go. Who is currently in the ninth seed? No, I don't I, I don't want to talk about the Lakers. Um that ninth seed, Kelsley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so the Miami Heat situation, um, again, still optimistic. I think they're gonna hit a run in a month or so where they're going to win consecutive games. They're going to start to really develop some type of cohesion. Um, and then with Victor Oladipo, it's going to come back within the next few games. That's going to be a big help. Jimmy Butler is trying to become a little bit more healthier. I love how he came in. Not only did he make an Instagram video saying that, oh, I'm on my way to Boston. This is going to be fun. And then back up what he said in that video. And then, you know, did what he did to, to the number one team in the East right now. I just think it's just once they get over the injury bug and they start to play games together and they start to get that, uh, just get those reps. Cause that's what it's about. Mark Jones who works for ESPN. One of, one of, one of my good mentors, they, it's all about reps. It's all about repetition. And if you don't get the reps together, because it's not an individual game, this is not golf. This is not tennis. This is a team game. Getting reps together as a team collectively, I think is extremely important. And it's essential. We saw what happened with Brooklyn Nets last year where they had the talent, but goddamn, they never had those reps together. So that, I think that's really, really important. And it's so early to where I'm not even stressing. I, what are they, what, six games, seven games out of first place, give or take? All it takes is a good 10-game winning streak or a five-game winning streak and easily going 10 out of the, the, the next 12 winning uh, to really make them somewhat of a quote-unquote contender again. Right now, the way they are, they're not. But again, once they get those reps, I'm pretty pretty intrigued and excited about it, especially when Victor Oladipo comes back because he was also a part in our postseason run where the Heat really did not play with him throughout the whole year. They got a very small sample size with Victor Oladipo. So if we can get him back early before Christmas, which I'm anticipating, um, let's see what February hits because now they're going to – I mean, God willing, hopefully there's no injuries. But when February comes, I think that's where the sweet spot is going to come in because it's not about when you get hot. It's about getting hot at the right time. And I really think – and let's not get too big-headed, Corbin, but I really started to feel like the, the Lakers are starting to put those things together. I think there's a few other teams that are starting to do that as well. Brooklyn Nets is another example of them starting to put things together, um, along with those other teams that are exceeding expectations. But uh, as far as Miami Heat is concerned, as a Heat fan, you know, we're cool, calm, and collected. We know who's at the helm. Pat Riley, Eric Spo, like, we're, we're very, very confident in our own skin. Um, going over to to New York, though, not Brooklyn, but um, 42nd Street. Is the 42nd Street is where the garden's at, right? No, that's, that's Times Square. It, it's 34. Yeah, facts. You're going 34. There it is. 
Yeah, thirty fourth Street. I don't know if it's a miracle, but sure, it's there. Uh, it was the you know, movie. I was. I was nothing. And I know the Christmas movie. I get <laughs> yes, it. The holiday thank season. You, thank you. But it's it's still no miracle, and that movie is trash. However, I don't know what the hell is happening at the garden. Let's yep. start off with okay. Thank you, Corbin. Uh, let's start off with um last night because they're playing tonight against cleveland donovan mitchell is back in new york somebody who was said to be highly (laughs) needed in new york but went to cleveland nonetheless uh i think last night's game was just it was so deplorable to see it was literally a 41 to 15 score in the third quarter like the mavericks scored 41 points in the third quarter, this team also at the end of the game last night, Jalen Brunson, there was asked about Tom Thibodeau because Tips has been on a hot seat for the past couple of weeks, maybe the last two weeks. It's been ramped up a little bit more. And Jalen Brunson was just like, listen, it's on us. We didn't put out the effort. It's nothing that he can do. Like he's putting us in a position to get to the best possibility that to win. And we're just not placing any effort on the floor. I, I okay. If you cannot close games, because there was there was multiple games this past week where it's just been like they cannot close the game. Like against Milwaukee, you got RJ shooting that three. It, it it's so many moments, and I feel like it's just been an ongoing thing with New York where they're almost to that point, but they can't get out of their own their own way, and they're just making bad decisions or deci- or things that are happening in the game that they can't even win. So if you can't close games, if your defense isn't doing anything for you during the games because they get up so early in games, they got up like yesterday, I think they were up against uh, Dallas like by 15 and then Dallas turns it on and they have no answer for it. It's like, how do you even get back to that point? You've lost four of your last six games last four of six from the last 10 games you're like four and seven at home I don't have an answer for this team I feel like at this point Julius has to be moved on Derek Rose move on I know that people are off and on about Obi and maybe he should get more minutes I'm on the the Obi train of getting him more minutes to see what he can do because I feel like this team oftentimes doesn't draft well or doesn't have give their young guys an opportunity to shine. So at just give him some more minutes. <laughs> Let's see what he can do because in the minutes that he does have, he plays well. So this team is just so frustrating. And I think that when last two, the two seasons prior, when they made the playoffs, like it, it seemed like it was a little bit more of an upside happening. And then we get back to what we have now, which is where they've always been, which is just like a purgatory of just being in the middle and it's just not anything that i i don't have an answer to see where they can go up from here like it's just like i don't know <laughs> i don't yeah. know it's funny um because instantly in my head there was a song that that came in and i'm gonna go ahead and break it down for you real quick almost like Lauren hill um so the beginning of the season right you know what i'm saying we, we saw that glimpse we saw that little glamour we saw that little bit of hope that little bit of hope 
and then and then you know the hit the fan and then back to life <laughs> back to reality <laughs> back to the Knicks fans in their dismay it sucks but uh but no um Obi Toppin is like um I feel like he's he could potentially be once he becomes into his own skin like a Sean Marion I think he's gonna be the athletic wing can he be a four sure but then again in this day and age in this game of basketball a four is really a three in some points in part. So, um, I think with his athleticism and what he can do, he can really be a, a, a version of Sean Murray. And um, I do think he deserves a chance. Um, this will be a guy that, that I think people are going to have to go. I think, I think you and I are in consensus with that, Alicia, just because I've tried it all, we've done it all, and it's just like when you are doing the same things and then expecting different results. That's what we call insanity. And it seems like Tibbs is so stuck in his ways and he's really not trying to change. There's no growth or development or elevation that's going to happen with the New York Knicks, you know, program. But yeah, that, that's an unfortunate situation because again, I thought that they were starting to, 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 to figure some things out. They're starting to gain somewhat of an identity. I love what Brunson has brought to the organization itself. Um, Randall has to go 100%, but I don't think the Bucks have to. I definitely think they'll be A, that's just paying him. Whew, God bless your heart on that one. Um, but I, I think I think Tibbs has to go too. I, I really do. And as with my mom being a big fan, and she's not hard. She, she's been saying that since last year. She's been saying the same thing with you. I love, I, I, I love, of the young guys, play the, play the young man, play the young like that's that's my mom. So, uh, and he, and Tim is not doing that. This is what year four or this is four, right? Year four, if I'm not mistaken, with Tim being at the house. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's time. It was cute for the first year where he got coach of the year, but they like two games under five hundred or two games over one or two. Um, there were a couple games over 500 and then, you know, they started to come back to the point where they're a couple games under 500 or, you know, like a 37, 38 win team, which is what they've always been, if not worse. So, like I said, just being in what, what one thing with being in, in, in playing in NBA games, you don't want to be in purgatory. You don't want to be so bad where you're always stuck in the lottery you're just always rebuilding but you don't want to be in the middle where you don't have an opportunity to get new draft picks and and you know mm-hmm. develop younger guys and then you don't want to be in the position where you're not even winning it's just like that middle ground it's just not cute it's like what what are you doing at that point what as an organization where are you trying to go what are your long-term goals what are you doing now like what are you doing i just have no answer because it seems like the same thing. We get new GMs, we get new front office guys. It seems like it's going well, and then we end up back in the same position. I don't know if it's just the owner's uh, energy lingering around where James Dolan is just sitting there, and <laughs> this is what we have to deal with, but it, it just seems like something has to be done to elevate this team, and I just don't know where that even starts. But there are a few people that I can look at to say, hey, we get rid of some of you. It could be a start to something better. I just don't know if that's going to happen <laughs> at all because of people being stuck in their ways. 
Yeah, I, I hear you. Can you guys hear me better now, by the way? Because my, my earphone was yes. kind of dying, and Way I thought better. it was the, the left one. Yeah. But it was clearly the right one because I put that to the side. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. So let, let's push forward. Um, let's go to the future. And and what are we looking forward to the most? Um, what are we anticipating? What what do you think is going to happen between the next time we meet up in two weeks uh, with, with the NBA? Because two weeks' time... We are going to be very close to Christmas time, believe it or not, which is wow. And it could be just a Christmas games too. But Corbin, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, what are you looking forward to for these next few weeks in the NBA? Um, just real quick, I uh, can't wait for December fifteenth. Let's see if we get to move out the besides game. the Lakers. Listen, okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say that, actually. We, you gave me the Lakers up early. You softened me up. So I ain't even got no no bone to pick today on that. But no, uh, December 15th, you know, let's see what happens if a trade comes out the gate. And then also um, Christmas games. Those are always fun. The highlight of the week, I mean, the highlight of the Christmas slate all Sunday from beginning to end of the day. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I think looking forward to just seeing how these games start to round themselves out. Everyone's played about 20 games now. We kind of see how teams are getting into shape, kind of getting out of shape. And um, I, I want to see the Kings keep playing well. I hope that they break this curse of not making the playoffs in the past damn near 15, 16 seasons. Like, let's, let's, let's get the Sacramento some love. There we go. Yeah, no, Sacramento definitely deserves it. I think what Fox is doing, it's a bonus. Like, they, they, they really – that was a team that has been – habitually horrible for years 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 and they're starting to kind of fix it and put it together and not only that to to be in the western conference as well and to figure stuff out too i think that's um they definitely deserve some love but then at the same time too all it takes is a five-game losing streak and then they're down to 13th or 14th in the west so i mean it ain't nothing to get too excited about but i definitely see that they're starting to find an identity, what Mike Brown is doing with that team. He's doing what he's supposed to do, what he's been called to do. And he's bringing that uh, um, that winning formula or that winning culture to Sacramento. And uh, I definitely think that is uh, – that's, that's going to be great. As far as me, like what I'm looking for, I don't think anything is going to happen out of the gate. I would be really surprised if the summer 15th, 16th comes and there's actually a trade going on. But uh, if that does – we got something to talk about but no i think the game it's just really one game and it actually is on christmas and that has me really excited is memphis and the warriors and how things transpired in the summertime both teams love to yakety yak yak i love the young spunk in you know the memphis grizzlies even though they kind of they haven't hit where they were at last year yet can they get to that point? Most definitely, because we saw what happened to the Boston Celtics last year on how horrible they started and how they finished their season. Uh, and then, again, they have a really good nucleus. But that game is going to be get your popcorn ready, um, sit back, relax, don't talk to me, maybe have a drink or two or whatever you want to drink. It could be Diet Pepsi here that somebody gave me which is wild or you know whatever you want but no that's the game like that is the game um memphis grizzlies and the warriors and i think the warriors are really starting to put things together starting to get that cohesiveness they're really trying to they're playing like how they're supposed to be playing in the beginning of the season you know um but yeah that's 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 kind of my take on that i'm really excited to see if a the um 
I got you. If if a the the Warriors can continue to play good basketball, these teams can continue to stay afloat like Indiana Pacers, who got number five in the in the East, if I'm not mistaken, and and, and guys like Sacramento and stuff like that too. And then also, uh, real quick, two seconds, give me your take on <laughs> the the thief of the night and Danny Ainge and, and what Minnesota looks like right now. Just want you really could take care because that was a lot of draft picks for one individual, and I don't think it's working out in Minnesota. Minnesota has not looked good. <laughs> Let's just start by saying that I think in the past month they have looked very they they've looked very bad. Um, D'Angelo Russell, I'm also interested to see if he's being able to move. I don't know what his possibilities of trade value are, but you know, with Cat having the calf strain, Gobert being Gobert, and then we have you know the team just doing what it's doing. I think that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what Danny Ainge told those folks in Minnesota, but uh, he can share those secrets because I, I, I need to get some kind of mojo with, with just sprinkling something in the air and just saying whatever and having people just, you know, give over freaking draft picks like that. Like that, that it's just. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a a thing that we always see when new ownership takes over a team um and it's where we gotta make a splash somewhere you know and i don't i didn't get the reasoning of that when it happened you know i actually hope they were gonna go after like a Dejounte murray you know if they were gonna do that same type of haul i think him in the backcourt alongside anthony edwards maybe you either delegate D'Angelo Russell off the bench or you just take him and, and send him off to san antonio somewhere else would have been really good but I never understood the fit with Gobert. I thought it would be good just because defense and, you know, looking at some of these teams on the bottom, I didn't think they'd be up there. So I thought the, the Timberwolves just by essence being more or less the same team um, with better defense would be there. But it hasn't worked out that way. It, 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 sometimes, you know, we overthink these things. It didn't make sense. You know, Conley Towns playing the four, you know, you jack all these threes and then Gobert in the lane and like it's going to work out until the playoffs. No, it's not working on the regular season. There's not enough room for Anthony Davis, I mean, Anthony Edwards to work with. Um, I think I said Davis the first time too. It's not enough room for Anthony Edwards to work with in, or, in order to get to the lane. He's settling for some of his worst tendencies of just shooting jumpers, and so that's not going great. D'Angelo Russell, we thought would step up big in a um, contract year. That hasn't happened. Like everything that like, can go wrong kind of has gone wrong, and yet they're still 11 and 11. Um, I didn't like the whole shystiness that Gobert did uh, tripping up uh, Kendrick Williams in their most recent game. That was just some below the belt stuff. But aside from that, like he's still leading the league in rebounding. We're in the top three in rebounding, so that's good for Gobert. Individually, he's okay. He is what we thought he would be. The only problem is that he's already 30, not going to get any better. You know what you got him for, and his own individual success isn't helping the team succeed. And now you're stuck with that contract. I mean, uh, listen, if I was in charge, I'm just saying, I'd be trying to trade him now. Like, all right, we tried to experiment. Like, it didn't work. Let's, let's move. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be easy to move that contract or anything like that. And you might have to get some assets back, but, like, salvage something because I don't see it getting better if you're trying to keep this team as constructed and you're trying to put Anthony Edwards in the best position to succeed. And even he's had a down year. So if you want to put all your, you know, eggs in the Anthony Edwards basket, I would, but that's not for everyone. So yeah, it's been a mistake. I just don't understand it. Um, I didn't understand it back then, but I guess I got talked into like the reason how it can make sense. But now you're looking on the floor and it's like, nah, fam, like this, this don't work. I wish I could be that flat room and be like, how did that trade talk happen? And in my mind, this is how I felt like it happened. Danny Ainge to Tim 
Uh, I think it's Connolly, if I'm not mistaken. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. But here's how I feel like that conversation went. <laughs> hey, Tim, listen, I got a guy for you. Yeah, Rudy, yep, mm-hmm. yeah, defensive. Hey, this guy's a savage on the boards, and he can block a hell of a lot of shots. He will help you guys out. When you're talking about Cat and him, those two guys could be the new Twin Towers. I know what happened in New York. That's a long time ago, but they can be the new and improved Twin Towers of the NBA. This is it. You have to do it. Give me five draft picks. Give me four draft picks. Just all the draft picks that you have in your damn wallet bag. Let me just get all that. Appreciate you. Like, I don't know. Because the way I'm thinking of it is, and hear me out when I say this, we saw something like this already in the past in Philadelphia. Ben Simmons and B. It did not work because it was just too crowded. And B can stretch the floor just like how Cat can. But at the end of the day, when Shaq says barbecue chicken, they make their money. Well, Cat, to a certain extent, really don't make his money in the paint. But I feel more confident and more comfortable if he was trying to be a beast in the paint than he would try to be a finesse outside. And it's just like, it's just a... I don't want to curse. I'm not going to curse, but it's just a cluster. It's just like a cluster down there. It it is. And then now you have a guy that we talked about potentially being the most improved for the year or that person that's going to take that next step, especially what he did in the playoffs last year in the short little stint that he had. And Anthony Edwards is like, now you're stunting probably your best asset, your biggest asset in growth right now. So it's, it's just, Ooh, man, I I wonder, the hiring process for a general manager is just like one thing, but I'm just trying to figure out the logic. And I really want him to, I really want him to come out and explain that. I'm not sure if he did, I might've missed it, but I really want him to really explain his logic in what he did. But it just, it makes my head hurt. I know damn well no Pat Riley ain't gonna do no dunk like that. <laughs> he already did once. He did Hassan Whiteside. That was the dumbest thing that he ever did. And I promise you, and I guarantee, guaranteed that he would never do no like that ever again. That was a classic Kelsey tirade. Like that was that's one for the books. Yeah. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he won't. <laughs> I'm sure Pat Riley won't. But last thing on Minnesota, Cat has to get better. At the end of the day, I feel like Cat is at a point in a stage in his career where he's just been great on offense, you know, and then he gets on defense and he mucks it up and he doesn't make the people around him better. And especially last year in that play in game, that was just atrocious to see how he played, how he fouled out, how he made dumb mistakes. Like it was just very much the IQ was not giving. Okay. So I don't know how he develops more this season and especially after his injury, but he has to get better or else this team is not going to go anywhere. The team is only going to go as far as his ability to keep getting better takes them. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, and, and it's, it's uh, I see, this might be cheesy, but you can't blame a Kardashian in this sense with uh, when you're talking about Kat. Um, but uh, well, that- we have <laughs> we have a, a, a segue because Kat is dating somebody who used to be best friends with a Kardashian uh-huh. and Kylie Jenner, you know, and we have Could some more NBA gossip, you know, uh, oh, wow. where something came out this past week and uh kim kardashian's ex-husband stated that you know she may or may not have been with a a point guard 
and Devin Booker may be hand- handing assists off the field more than he is on the field. Okay. And I think that um, the news that broke allegedly, I'm going to say allegedly, where uh, Chris Paul is or has been with KKW. Now, and, and, and it came from somewhere who someone who was making a tirade. We all know how Kanye has been with the, within the last three to four years, to be honest. It's, it's not anything recent with him, but in the last couple of months, it's been a little bit more active with him and what he's been saying and how he's been a little bit detrimental just as to society. <laughs> I would say he's been a menace, okay? But uh, he's made a comment about, you know, Chris Paul being with Kim. And I'm going to be honest. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And I think that when we talk about NBA players and how a lot of these guys are model citizens to society and how they can be, you know, great family men, you know, they have their family, their wives, their children, they go on red carpets, everything looks hunky-dory, it looks all great. But behind the scenes, a lot of the time, and I, and I hate to put a number on it, but I would say about 97 to 98% of the time, things aren't what they seem. Wow. Uh, I'm just, I'm being honest. When you, and, and this, is a, this, is, this is coming from somebody who's been out in the streets, been out and about, been on the town. And I've seen mm. some people and some things where I'm just like, oh? I, 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 I recall you being you know, with, with a spouse, but that's not your spouse, but I'm going to mind my business because that's what I do. I think it's not surprising that he was with it. Now, Chris Paul does have an alibi because Kanye is just insane. So he can easily just look at his wife and say, this man is insane. What are you going to believe him or your lying eyes? You know, it's, it's, it's hard not to have that on his side. But I just don't think it, it I wouldn't put it past him, I would say. Yeah. That's just my take. No, I'm with you, Alicia, except I don't know. Kanye, a lot of things. Kanye crazy. I don't know if Kanye a liar. You know, um, that's just what I'm saying right now. I mean, it makes sense with some of the Twitter investigators you've seen on the beat since. You had the Drake beef, you know, all them decked out in Chris Paul jerseys. That wasn't for nothing. Drake pretty good with that subtweet game. You know, he knows stuff we don't. And I can see him being like Alicia. Mind my, my business, real ones know. You know, and now we all know, you know, and so I, I definitely think there's something to it. I mean, it sucks. Chris Paul always had this. I, I called Alicia that almost got killed when I said Fugazi type feel, but you know what? Oh, dear. <laughs> a while ago, this is a while ago. I was throwing the word out just random, and she made it clear she was not the one. But the point being, I think Chris Paul is, and that's just okay. Like, I, I just do. I don't know. Like, I look at him and you think, you know, you see the Cliff Paul and everything and all this stuff. It makes sense. You had motive. You had opportunity. You know, while your while your shooting guard teammate, you know, is, is dating her sister, you have time to build some team chemistry over there. Like, there, there's I'm, it seems like there's too much smoke for it not to be something cooking. And I don't know. Shame on you, Chris. But no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go there. Um, but <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's something, man. Like, he could say that. And his wife could be like, yeah, maybe. But, like, she know who Chris is. That's all I'm going to say. I, I don't know. She going to know him better than any of us? That's, that's definitely fair. Um, Yeah, when I first heard it, I, I don't think I – I didn't take that with a grain of salt, to be honest with you. I was like, oh. It's like DJ Khaled, another one. 
of those statements that Kanye made. Like literally, it's just like, uh, it's just like, you know, it's that guy that curses every three words to where when they curse, like it does not have that same effect compared to a person that never curses. And then they say that one big old F bomb, you look at them like, like, you know, it's like, we're so desensitized to anything that comes out of Kanye's mouth. It's just like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. Ooh, Chris Paul. Wow. Interesting. Back to my regular scheduled program. <laughs> like, I just, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't. If it's true, that would be crazy. But I'm not taking anything that comes out of Kanye's mouth until we, he acknowledges or he says, hey, I seek this type of help or advice and it, it, things start to somewhat make sense. He's just too sporadic for me. And, and there's many different comments within just a week, week alone that he said, is you scratching your head? Like, but he, did he really say that? So I hate the fact that he brought Chris Paul into it because this is a guy, you know, very similar to a LeBron James type of figure outside of the basketball world to where, like, they have not really done anything wrong. He's that, you know, hi, hi, keep it cute. You know, just like, you know, nothing. I know stuff goes behind the scenes. I get all that. At least to talk about stuff. Oh, no, you mother-loving line. But seriously, though, like, just that lovable, marketable type of person. When you're working with State Farm, like... <laughs> <laughs> you bring State Farm into it. You bring State Farm, Jake from State Farm. <laughs> but no, like you know, he's just that. Yeah, you know, not Captain America, but just like one of those just really nice guys. And for somebody to say what he said, go ahead. I'll let you speak, Alicia. Go ahead by all means. Give me, teach me, teach me. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> What you see on the outside is 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 not true, but it's not true. I think that one of the things that with people like you mentioned two guys who are in that banana boat crew, uh, who are like you know family men and they put themselves out there to be you know like models of black love. And mm-hmm. I love that for them. LeBron, mm-hmm. yep. It, it, it's Hashtag just, mellow. Okay. Well, we've seen how his Melo's incident happened. We've seen how Dwayne Wade's incident Mellow has drama. happened. Okay. I mean, like, we can, we can start going down the list of, and, and, like, explain the tea, but I don't have the time to do that. But oh. honestly, for me, I'm just not buying what they're selling. And Beautiful Wives and Jada and Savannah separately with LeBron and uh, CP3, beautiful families, great kids. I, I, like, it's okay that they have that model out there of what they are trying to portray. But however, mm-hmm. the way and the dirt that these people move and who they do it with, because it's not people that look like this. Mm-hmm. It's just like, uh, okay, well, anyway, again, I wouldn't put past Kim to, to try to get into an NBA circle like that again we've seen how the, her sister has moved and Chloe and Kendall hell she was scouting for players this is how she ended up with Chris Humphreys for 72 days however long they were married for she was scouting people Danilo Gallinari one of my favorite things he never even went after it like she tried and he just never took the bait and I respect Danilo for that because a lot of people would have folded but you know what yeah. stay strong even though he's been injured. But listen, a shout out to all of the players out there who 
people just keep mm-hmm. it pee. if you do your dirt all all i say is just keep it low keep it cute don't let us know unless the people are in the room i mean no one has to know this kind of things like it, it's just it is what it is but it does happen a lot and especially these guys are on the road half of the time of the year they're never really home to have that solid foundation it's it's a lot that goes mm-hmm. on to nba mm-hmm. players and their families and how they are able to have lives so yeah. I, I i i just i'm I'm gonna leave it at that i'm not gonna go any further but uh, everything is not what it seems and yep. i think that we all all need to take an account that these people may put something out there for us to believe in their lives and how they lead them but what whatever's in the dark comes to light I, that that that's what I was always taught. So, it is what it is with these with, with these guys. We can close out. So, here. Th- th- yeah, just a synopsis, and I'll, I'll go ahead and close this one out. Basically, what I got here from Alicia, just pretty much, you know, in the NBA, you need an NBA, and if you don't get the NBA, then we can't play. On that note, it's Kelly Wilkinson, Alicia Corbin. We're out. Let's ball out. Peace. Peace. Don't hurt, don't let no friends know. In the building, I move like a dime. Better cheat me a Vincenzo.